Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for some amazing TV to stream? Indulge yourself with the hits on Hulu you can't miss. Dive in with Barney, Ted, Robin, and the gang on How I Met Your Mother. All nine seasons are now streaming on Hulu. Then you can move to Modern Family, Schitt's Creek, and My Wife and Kids. We're talking every episode and every season of these shows. We're talking huge hits, streaming on Hulu whenever you're in the mood. Now we're talking. There's no place to escape to. This is the last talk. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Um, I gotta say one of my favorite things about the residual high of having eaten a bunch of edibles and you wake up still stoned is that what it's nice is that like nothing's real and there's no consequences and it's like right. a get out of jail free card for whatever you do. Didn't you have those edibles 48 hours ago? No, I did it again last night. I just oh, been trying to sleep. But okay. what it does is make it so like you sort of feel like I'm a traveling, wandering god, like a Loki, and I can tell people <laughs> what to do, and I could do whatever I want, and it's like they can't see me. Or they'll laugh if they saw me doing something bad. Well, maybe that's what happened to the character we're going to talk about today. Welcome to the last podcast on the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel with Marcus Parks. We got uh, Henry Zabrowski over there. Teflon Henry Zabrowski. Ain't nothing going to stick to me today because I'm not a part of your world. I'm not. <laughs> Everything sticks to you. I'm like the Little Mermaid. I am not a part of your world. Oh, my goodness. You took a bunch of brownies last night that were full of weed. I watched the show Moonshiners, and there was a funny moment where they were wrapping this bucket in cheesecloth, and they said, and this woman said, if it was easy, everyone would do it. I thought that was funny because it's not true. No one would do it, no matter how easy it was because it's moonshining. Different nights. Um, All right, so today's episode, this is huge, by the way. This one, people have been asking about this dude for a long time. We're finally getting to him. Rasp. Putin. <laughs> Just say it one more time. Rasputin. 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 How else are you supposed to say it? Rasputin. Rasputin. That is how it's supposed to be said. It's supposed to be said with a Russian mystery. Rasputin. Rasputin. There's a lot of different types of names in this episode. Well, I've been listening to a lot of Alabama lately. Oh. Song oh, of good. the South. I'm glad that. Stop saying Song of the South. Don't, don't ever say it ever again in a podcast. All right. Dixieland Delight. <laughs> it's, I could name both of their songs. Well, Grigory Rasputin, a.k.a. the Mad Monk and Grishka to his friends was a spiritual advisor, for lack of a better term, who wormed his way into the highest echelons of power at the end of the imperial era in Russia in the early 20th century. Oh, cool. Now, a lot of myths and tall tales have been told about Rasputin over the last century or so that helped to make him the booger bear that brought hmm. down the Russian Empire. The booger bear. Yeah. Uh, now, That's not Henry, a term. No, it's not a term. <laughs> no. And I can't... What... 
First of all, it makes me think of the most adorable baby Charmin bear <laughs> that they nicknamed Booger Bear because you can also use toilet paper for your nose. Uh, this is not the first time I've mentioned Booger Bear on the show. I oh, would have yeah. remembered. I'm pretty certain I would have remembered. <laughs> Same thing with him calling it a cuckoo clock. But the Rasputin being a Booger Bear is interesting because Booger Bear, you make it cute. But for yeah. me, I just imagine a big, shirtless, wet <laughs> Man, that everybody calls Booger Bear because right. no one knows his fucking origin and he's just covered in his own nose slime. Right. Yeah, he's like the dog. He's like the dog from Family Va- or, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation or the father of Honey Boo Boo. But that's not far off from Rasputin, and these were active style choices that he made. <laughs> well, a lot of the rumors and myths about Rasputin aren't true. No, which is really sad because again, it's a it's a classic example of like they built up a whole mysterious world of Rasputin being this powerful wizard and he, and doing weird dark sex magic and shit, but. Half the time, of course, there's going to be a middle ground in this story of what is real and what is fantastic. Very common. I was talking to my friend Simon Bobby about Che Guevara. Evidently, he stunk. Really? Bad, bad odor. Oh. Not brought up. Well, we're going to talk about Rasputin's odor Ooh. later on, or lack of, or the rumor of. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Uh, Speaking of which, the rumors and innuendo about Rasputin came from two places, his contemporary enemies in Imperial Russia and the Soviet Union, who used Rasputin as an example of the debaucherous evil that came before the formation of the USSR. Okay. But since the Russians have only fairly recently made their files on Rasputin public following the fall of the Soviet Union, the picture of Rasputin that has since formed shows somewhat of a different man. The story goes that Rasputin was responsible for the fall of the House of Romanov, a dynasty that had ruled Russia for 300 years by the time Rasputin came onto the scene. Through Rasputin's actions, Tsar Nicholas II and his wife Alex were led astray by this mysterious Siberian monk whose only motivations in life were supernatural evil, chaos, and sex. Well, yeah. let's not minimize that by saying only. <laughs> aren't, those, aren't those quite uh, grand motivations? <laughs> I, I like to think so. It seems to be a life goal. If that's what you want to do every day, you wake up and I want to make sure I am sowing as much supernatural evil chaos and sex in your life. You'll get it, but it's going to be in a lot of La Quintas and it's going to be after polyamory festivals or jade festivals somewhere in Arizona. Well, I'm not saying only in like a minimizing way. Right. I'm saying only as in like singular right. or in this case, triangular. Laser focus. Laser focus. Yes. Laser focus. Yeah, but the whole truth is actually a lot more complicated. What we're aiming to do in this series is to dispel the myths that surround one of the most mysterious figures of the 20th century while also painting this man just as he was. A man. But he was a fucking cool ass dude. I yeah. love this story. I mean, I mean, he's done bad things. Obviously, he's done bad things. He did really awful shit. But it's very metal, and a lot of this fucking. When I think of this story quite a bit, it's like a man just followed with a as he's spinning through the fucking Russian force, fighting demons and shit that may be yeah. a part of his mind, but he's making them real. And he's out there wrestling them, and women are falling for him, and he's drinking as much stinky vodka as he get put into his big flappy mouth. He does seem like someone who really takes Slipknot serious. <laughs> Just like, like I know you're hearing the band, Like, but are you listening? Are you listening? I are you even it. aware of the lore of Slipknot and how the masks are a different chapter for each section of the fantasy line? <laughs> 
Now, Rasputin was not necessarily what you would call a cult leader. He had followers, yes, but he was more of an advisor, like a worm tongue. Hmm. He did not want to strictly rule. He more wanted to be around those who ruled. Huh, like John Hornacek. What? Coral Malone, uh, John Stockton. Yeah, yeah. Hornacek just liked to be on the team. Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz, mid-90s. <laughs> I'm not letting any of this fake music basketball information sully the fake shit I've already put into my mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, like a cult leader, Rasputin liked to play with people, but he didn't have that one skill that we always say is one of, if not the most important, when it comes to running a successful cult. Hmm. Organization or a podcast network, we could maybe use a little bit of that as well. But I part of the but the truth is is that cult leaders have an eye for uh, delegating authority and structure, societal mm-hmm. structures, and they know that what you have to do is put people to work. Rasputin, in my mind, quite a bit because what we're going to see and what we're going to show in these next couple episodes is that Rasputin was actually also very self conscious of his image and knew what he was building and how to attract people to it. To me, he's more of a big stand. Madonna than anything <laughs> where he hit on a style and everybody got into it and technically is the first practitioner of what I believe is a subgenre that only Rasputin does which is crust goth oh. <laughs> I think I was accidentally a crust goth when I was 12 trust me it, it, it is definitely a subgenre that exists I knew quite a few crust goths in college it's very, it's very easy to be one <laughs> now, that image that Rasputin was trying to make for himself All that was about making him a great man. That's really all he wanted. It just didn't matter to him what kind of great man he was. Mm. I mean, don't get us wrong. This guy is a monster of history. His actions led to untold misery for millions on a macro scale and hundreds on the micro. And actually, he's one of those guys where you really wonder if the whole of 20th century history might have been different if you would have just plucked Rasputin out of it. It's fucking true, dude. It's fucking a lot of shits on his shoulders. First ignorant question of the podcast, what, what, what year is we talking about here? We're talking yeah, like World War One years here. Like we're talking like 1900 uh, to 1917. These are uh. some of the most consequential years of the 20th century. It set the tone for the enti- for the entire hundred years. World War One, a war so fun we did it again. <laughs> That's a very controversial statement. Very controversial advertisement. You know, I should be. I, I'm just saying. I could have been a great McNamara. I could have. I could have. You know, he. Sh- he that's how you brand Vietnam. World, it's like World War Two. We're doing it again. And we're also going to be stealing a little bit from Dan Carlin's concept of the capital G great man about how like mm-hmm. there's what we're going to tell is the story is that. What we also learned from Jim Jones and we've learned from other cult leaders is that laser-like focus and adherence to like personal, even fake, insane values can drive you really far in this world. And somehow this stinky, I keep using stinky because that's a lot of people, I mean, constantly talk about with them. This well, hammer possibly a rumor. It's true. This this horny version of a World War One version of Forrest Gump <laughs> managed to get crazy access to very important people and he used it very sinisterly. And Forrest Gump used it very positively. Who doesn't love shrimp? <laughs> well, despite all that, Rasputin was not the supernatural beast of mysticism and magic that we've been led to believe he is. I mean, like everyone we cover, Rasputin's basically just another piece of shit. Hmm. So, the two books we're using for research on this series are Rasputin, The Untold Story by Joseph T. Fuhrman. Oh, and 
Yeah, Furman. It's, I'm sorry. No, it's not that. It's just I hate when there's. I hate when books are titled "The Untold Story." Is it blank? You're telling the story. It's, it's the now told story. I hate the term "untold." You can't say "now told." Now telling the story I'm currently telling of Rasputin. Yes. You do that really tiny type on top of it and just label it Rasputin. Right. Well, the other book is Rasputin: Faith, Power, and the Twilight of the Romanovs Ooh. by Douglas Smith. Cool. Now, this kind of story is new ground for us as we've never really covered world history in previous episodes. This is, I mean, it's definitely new ground. So right up top, we want to make sure everyone knows that we're not claiming to be historians <laughs> no. here. No, we are not. No, we are not. Shocking revelations. The kernel of CBD gel I still have stuck to my wisdom tooth <laughs> is evidence of that. Uh, I know there's some people out there who are huge buffs of imperial Russian history. Like, I knew a guy uh, in college, he turned the entire first floor of his house into, like, this weird kind of museum dedicated specifically to the Romanovs. Nowadays, if your roommate is doing that, you call the fucking FBI and say he's planning to kill a bunch of people. Because you don't devote a whole section of your... I guess maybe it does make you peaceful. I think if they just have a corner of their room with specific candles and pictures of people that they don't like around, yes. and they're constantly licking their gun, then, <laughs> then you call the police. I call that pulling a cunana. Yes. Uh, no, this is just a sweet guy who was intensely obsessed with the Romanov family. Awesome. We he, went to that. What was it? Was that in uh, in Pittsburgh? Yeah. Uh, the people who turned their entire house into the museum. Very fun. Yeah. Strange it's, place to live, but yeah, fun. Yeah. It's great stuff. But my point here is that, you know, there are people that know this shit backwards and forwards, right. you know. And so, yeah, we might get a couple of things wrong here and there. And especially when it comes to like the World War One stuff, because that is insanely complicated. Uh, I know all about World War One. <laughs> Also, especially the names, because reading these books, reading Rasputin, the untold story that is currently being told that you are reading, I learned that I uh, I can't pronounce the names. I don't know. They all kind of blend together sometimes, and it kind of feels like when you're deep into like book four of Dune, mm-hmm. and they're just rattling off like the different house names and all the different dukes and archlords yes. and all that shit. And you're just like, I just hope that we get back to the plot at some point and tell me <laughs> where do we find out where they kept his penis, which is in the, the again the driving first driving thought of mine during the, the research Rasputin is where's his cock? I've heard they got his cock. Oh, all right, yeah. <laughs> Names. That's basically all the Bible is too. It's just <laughs> listing of names. Hezekiah, son of Jeremiah, oh, son of Mitzkiah. Yes, and then somehow they slip in homophobia. <laughs> yeah, we're we're gonna fuck up some names here. There's a ton of very difficult to pronounce names and places. We're gonna get some wrong here and there, but please know that we're gonna do our best with <laughs> everything here. Yeah, like we're absolutely we're we're trying our hardest. I do love that we try to nip mean tweets in the bud. We have to now. <laughs> I'm tired of them. <laughs> we just absolutely we just have to. All right, let's do this. So with that, let's get into the life of. Rasputin. Can you handle the eyes of the dark monk himself? <laughs> so Grigory Efimovich Rasputin, known as Grishka to the townsfolk, Grishka meaning friend, oh. was born in 1869 in the desolate wasteland of Siberia in the small town of Pokrovskoya. 
and this being 1869, not a lot is known about his parents. His father, Ephraim, was, according to records, chunky, unkempt, and stooped. Yeah, you mean Siberian. He's <laughs> <Right>. Siberian. <laughs> I told you, technically, they measure how much land you should receive from the government by how many degrees your stoop goes <laughs> from the center of your back. Huh. Yeah. I mean, his mother is hardly mentioned at all, but both of them seem to be like fairly normal Siberian peasants. Just okay. regular salt of the earth. Emphasis on salt. <laughs> I would assume. And the only negative thing about his father that was said, if you could even consider this a strong negative or even slightly remarkable for a Russian peasant, was that he had a taste for, quote, strong vodka. That's totally normal. Yes, I think so. It's very cold in sub- Siberia. I feel like yeah. a lot of people are like strong vodka, and it'd be weird, actually, if you liked weak vodka. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, the blanket, you it's a, it's a liquid blanket. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> No, I, I don't have a, I don't I do not, not go to bed and look at a bottle of vodka and be like thank you for being thank my blanket you. tonight for another night that but. definitely is not the first time you've referred to booze as a liquid blanket it's a liquid blanket no that's a classic no people with the whiskey that's the sweater inside you know that that's you, been said before. You just shoot yourself like a big drunken area and just pull a blanket like over your face and then now it's time for sleep. Even in the middle of the day, you can go to sleep as long as it's dark. Now, one of the first myths we'll tackle has to do with something as simple as Rasputin's name. Now, some have said, historians included, that Rasputin's family was so poor that they had no last name. Wow. Now, the name Rasputin, they said, was given to him as an adult, as calling him Grigory Rasputin was akin to calling him Grigory the Drunk. Oh. Rasputin being derived from the word Rasputnichat, which means Debaucherous. So far, so good on these names. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess it's a hundred for a hundred. Also, a part of it's like his name's Greg. Yeah, his name's Greg. Greg. <laughs> just imagine the the just essentially the American version name is Greg Drunk. That's what he was. If he came here, which I guess it doesn't help you come to this country. Sounds like someone who might uh, uh, start Breitbart. <laughs> But in reality, the name Rasputin is nothing more than a geographical designation used to describe the Rasputin family's hometown. In Russian, at least back then, a word for crossroads was Rasputin, making the name no more extraordinary than Roads or Strata. Huh. His name was Greg Drunk Roads? <laughs> well, essentially, what it meant, oh man, yeah, it's essentially a Greg Drunk Driving. That's his name. That brings it to another level. <laughs> Now, another possibly more appropriate origin of the name Rasputin is the word Rasputitsa, which is a word that describes the muddy Siberian spring season that actually makes it impossible to travel by road. Which then you can see the entomological, is that the term? Mm, I think so. Entomological? I, no, I think entomological means, uh, I think that's bugs. I think you mean etymological. Endomonomals. <laughs> the word science, if you think about it, is that a muddy road and traveling through it is akin to being drunk. So you can see how the name slowly turned into drunk over time. Okay. Well, no, it never was drunk. Okay. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. Very I just good. learned Point something. I just let something absorb. <laughs> and the myths about what happened before little Grigori was even born don't stop there. One of the myths created by Rasputin's contemporary enemies concerned the sexual habits of his parents. Mm. 
The paper Morning of Russia published a story that said that Rasputin's father, Yefim, was such a sexual deviant that he dared to have sex with his wife, Anna, while she was pregnant with Rasputin. Yes. Uh, On one occasion, when Anna refused to have sex, it said, while she was pregnant, Yefim supposedly screamed in reference to the baby inside her, quote, Push it out! Hurry up and push it out! (laughs) (laughs) This, they say, resulted in the childhood nickname Pushed Out Grishka. Oh, Oh, God. Pushed Out Grishka. (laughs) I'm starting to think these Russians are just having fun with us. I tell you what, a lot of these peppers I've been eating recently have been fucking up with my Pushed Out Grishka, (laughs) which is really (laughs) fucking Uh with me today. Good Lord. It was also said in the same article that when Anna grew too large for vaginal sex, a handyman witnessed them engaging in a bit of anal, although I don't really see how that's easier. What is this? Who? Why are these stories? Why does this exist as a storyline? Because line? at the time, people were really, like, people hated Rasputin, and so they were trying to smear him as scandalously as possible. And I guess anal is bad, but at the same time, I kind of think it's refreshing that the, their parents were still sexually active. Yeah, uh, this is the best parent uh, that we've ever covered. It's the best duo here that we've covered so far. Well, I don't really, I mean, I don't know if the whole anal thing is true. How would oh, they know? They do anal. I know that they do. No, I'm sh- but how would the, how, what was it? Uh, who found them? Uh, who, uh, the handyman. The hand- First of all, we need to investigate this handyman. Yes, hello, I am the handyman. I can tell the difference between vaginal hole and butthole. The butthole, it makes the woman go, wow, 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 which is what, unfortunately, Mrs. Rasputin was saying. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the thing was that like, they didn't need to exaggerate Rasputin's sexual habits. He was a hardcore sex addict who do a, who did a litany of awful things that we're gonna cover. But really, like on the other, I don't, why did they bring his mother's butthole into this whole I thing? There was no reason for that. I've said that. I, leave it alone. I will tell you, I did miss the sentence originally. When I was going over the outline that it said that they had gauged anal sex, and all I saw was the sentence of uh, mom's butthole. Why did they bring mo- his mom's butthole into the whole thing? So then. I googled Rasputin mom's butthole, and I gotta say, there is some controversial stuff. I'm sure there is. So the land in which Rasputin was born, Siberia, could be described as a collection of middle of nowheres. It makes up 77% of Russia's land, but only a quarter of its population. And that was, and the population was even less in Rasputin's time. Hmm. Now, it does have quite the frozen tundra wasteland reputation, and that is deserved up north. But the majority of people lived in southern Siberia, which actually has better weather than Alaska. Really? Don't get jealous, yeah. Alaska. This wow. is not your fault. <laughs> and that's, But that's not to say that it's not barren. It is. But at the very least, it was able to support agriculture, which was the Rasputin family trade. And the Rasputins had lived there forever, hundreds of years. And this actually tells you a lot about the Rasputins. It wasn't really until the 19th century that Russians started seriously immigrating to Siberia. And even then, those that did come were of what you'd call a desperate sort. Yeah, how sad are you when you have to immigrate to Siberia? That's the (laughs) place you want to be leaving. They view it as a place of freedom because there's they have a reputation of being independent. When you go to Siberia, it's kind of like the wild, wild west 
the Wild Wild West part of America <laughs> where you go out there and it was uh, about I'm people. I'm thinking about a huge robotic spider. I'm sorry. <laughs> Damn it. I'm sorry. But you go out there essentially for Lebenstrom, living space. You know that term, Kissel, uh-huh. because your grandfather had spray painted uh-huh. all over all the right, base. Thank you. But it, Man but of the world, of what actually, they started labor unions. And, but we don't <laughs> that's true. But that, that's kind of the a little bit of the drive to go to Siberia, but it's still, I think it probably sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, there's a drive to go there, but it's also where Russia made people go. It's uh, where it dumped its undesirables. Even before like the days of the Soviet gulags and the terrifying modern Siberian prisons that we see like on Lock Up Raw today. Okay. Now, this is where they sent the weirdos and the religious leaders and the political exiles. This is the place that you sent people when you just wanted them out of the way. But just like a lot of other isolated wildernesses in the world where life is short, brutal, and miserable, the people of Siberia were deeply religious. Hmm. But those people also had a kind of like odd relationship with the church. And the major religion was Eastern Christian Orthodox, which is pretty much Catholic, not Catholic. Catholic, not Catholic. They're like yes. Catholic number. They're like second Catholic. They're like right Lutherans. The Catholics. We always how we ah. describe as the Lutherans was Catholics without discipline. <laughs> <laughs> like the Eastern Orthodox, they're like in between Lutherans and Catholics. Okay. Yeah, they still have all like the pomp and the rituals that the Catholics have. They just don't follow the Pope. Well, it seems like the Russian government, I tried to dip a toe into the religious history of Russia, and I will say it is complicated. Mm, I try I to understand that. it. Just the Greek Orthodox versus Russian Orthodox is there's a lot of different differences in there. I know that my mentally handicapped cousins had a Greek Orthodox wedding and it was three hours long and there's a lot of <laughs> circling each other. So they, I know that they draw a lot of pictures, big ornate pictures, and it seems the government was always either at odds or in cahoots with the religion, with different types of religions at different parts in Russian history. So different times the church's stock would go up and then lessen in terms of influence in the country. It does seem like most of the research you did on this religion was at your mentally uh, handicapped cousin's wedding. Yes, it was like I took a master's course in how to be uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what spoke to these people, the people of Russia, and especially the peasants of Russia, was not dogma or theology as much as it was the icons and the rituals. Mm. Only 4% of Siberia was literate at that time, so it's not like people were at home studying the Bible. More than anything, these people just wanted something that sounded good, which made Russia at the time fertile ground for a whole host of flim-flam men that had the ears of both peasants and royalty, and Rasputin was the best Flim Flam man of all. All right. If I were to write Flim Flam next to Rasputin's name in terms of like a job title, I would use two capital Fs. Wow. <laughs> and Rasputin, what's also interesting about the people of Siberia that I seem to sort of absorb is the idea of fatalism was uh, rampant, yes. in, especially in peasant life. The idea of God gives us whatever it is that he gives us, including suffering, including being conned, including everything that's happened. So, so everything that happens happens essentially for a reason, and we're we're supposed to take it. Our suffering is God's will, and mm-hmm. so we're going to be fine with it. So you have a lot of people that roll with difficult shit. So it, it kind of, not I wouldn't say gullibility, but it definitely... Uh, it, adds fire to what Rasputin Rasputin just kind of like came at the right time when his his shit was also perfectly absorbed by the people looking for somebody confident to listen to 
Well, they got to be knocked down for you to pick them up. Oh, yeah? That's what I say. Yeah, well, I mean, that's going to play in the shit later on, mm-hmm. without a doubt. Is that what you do when you just stare at horses going around Prospect Park? You just yelling <laughs> at that? Yelling at people? <laughs> so the legend goes that Rasputin was born on a cold January night, and as his mother gave birth, a comet screamed across the Siberian sky above their home. <laughs> Not- <laughs> <laughs> and this marked Grigori as a great man to be. Ooh. This was, of course, not true. Ah. But according to Rasputin, the untold story, such omens were kind of the norm in rural Russia. Other omens talked about babies being born with iron teeth, <gasps> dogs born with six legs, cool. or snakes falling from the sky. That's scary. Now, all of these things were omens that pestilence and death were sure to come to the village. You know, the baby with the iron teeth, the dog born with six legs, the you know snake falling from the sky. They're literally just creating James Bond villains. Yes. <laughs> that's, but it's the, very, the rush. that's very unlucky. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, that was because all of this shit, like death and pestilence, were very common, and people needed something in which they could blame their misery. Mm. For example, the infant mortality rate in Siberia at this time was brutally high. Out of eight kids, possibly nine, Rasputin was the only one to survive past childhood. Yeah, and honestly, you have to be very strong to live past all the other kids, especially they all just very casually, the kids die, they throw them on top of the potato pile, and they start fucking again, and they make another one, and then they just pop it out and be like, its face fell off. Like, oh, so does God give us this faith? And they throw it in the river, and then they fuck again and have another kid. And so by then, I imagine, it does make you a weird person watching baby after baby die, and you just stare, and they're like, we deserve this. And everyone's just (laughs) sucking on vodka and lifting rocks from one place to another. Yeah. I mean, they really just treated them more like uh, potential workers, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it wasn't like people just sort of accepted it. They didn't really talk about it at all. Mm. It was just once one kid left, it's like, all right, well, that's the way it goes. All right. You know, and this shit, you know, it produces weird people. And Rasputin was the weirdest one out of them. Like, first of all, he was scared of shadows because he thought that all shadows were filled with ghosts waiting to jump out and get them. You know? I, I can see it. I actually, th- I don't think that that's that irrational for a child. Technically, that is what George Norrie is like now. <laughs> yeah. Rasputin also said he never stole as a child because he could see if a person was a thief just by looking at him. Ooh. He said that he could even see what they had stolen. And since he assumed that everyone could do that, he never stole. But as we'll see, that was a huge goddamn lie. You know, Sheriff Joe Arpaio said the exact same thing, but it just turns out he was racially profiled. Oh, yeah. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. 
I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hi, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. 
Rasputin was also a bedwetter, which for some reason made him an outsider in a village of outsiders, as the moment the bedwetting got out, none of the other kids wanted to be around him. How does the bedwetting stories, how do they always get out? Uh, because it's common, it's you smell like pee. You show up someplace, you smell like pee, they're like, hey, Sputin, you're smelling like a lot more like piss today than yesterday. He's like, eh, because I make a soup in my pants. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. And you know, like he just unwittingly, because he was a weird kid. And t- and also in Siberia, bedwetting is reserved for the parents. <laughs> <laughs> But through it all, Rasputin still had a love for his homeland. He hey, would, yeah, he'd right. come back even after he was one of the most like influential people in all of Russia. Like once a year, he'd go back and hang out in his small town. You got to remember your roots. It does seem a little Romy and Michelle every time he does it, though. Like he shows up kind of in like, look at me now. Hey, more hairy, huh? The time does this to me. <laughs> you fucking guys. Love you. Hey, get up with you. Yeah, that, that is a good point. It might just be trips to go brag. <laughs> and even as a child, Rasputin had a deep and abiding faith in God, a lot like Jim Jones. But it was around the age of eight that Rasputin's path took a turn for the supposedly supernatural. He and his cousin both came down with pneumonia after falling into a river and only Rasputin survived. Now, because his cousin was apparently the only kid who'd hang out with him, Rasputin turned to horses for company, and pretty soon, he said that he could communicate with them on a mental level. Ooh. Did you do the same thing? No, I didn't commune with horses. He would never communicate with horses, but you do get the feeling when Marcus said that, he's like, you don't do that. You get to know the horse power and horse wisdom. It's not meant for man. My uncle did it. He's been in a coma for 30 years. No, you got to earn a horse's trust. Uh, yeah. Can't just break in there. Hey, man, you don't got to tell me. Well, really, I mean, it seems like all of Rasputin's outward miracles when he was a kid had to do with the horse at some time or another. Okay. He just seemed like he was good with horses. Yeah, he was great with horses. Chip Gaines is great with horses. Yes, he is. <laughs> Fixer-upper. And when Rasputin was 12, he was in bed with a high fever when he heard adults talking in the other room. They were discussing a recent theft in which the poorest man of town had lost his only horse. Oh. Rasputin got out of bed, looked at the faces of the men in discussion, pointed at one of them, and screamed, He stole the horse! Oh no, this is how the Salem witch trial started. (laughs) But that's what happens. He's a weird, sickly kid. He's like all covered in fever. He shuffles out going... That mine is the thief there. And they're like, get out of here, you sweaty, weird little boy. And then he goes back to sleep, and then they find him later on. Yeah, like the father apologized, but the, they, he said, like, oh, the kid's just sick. Mm. He's talking nonsense. Uh, but the other guys are like, well, maybe this kid's on to something Why here. Why wouldn't he be? Yeah. So they followed the guy home, and they found him trying to move the horse. Wow. Yeah, he was trying to launder the horse. And, and so the problem is, the boy is right and when the boy is right that means everybody else is wrong you know what I mean which is bad for the town yep he's like the rainmaker from Looper yeah so the man was beaten within an inch of his life as was the custom Mm. and the town finally put (laughs) how do you know when the inch is up (laughs) like like what's the final hit Siberians know okay well they do the old school wrestling thing where they lift the hand to see if it holds to give him the three count (laughs) 
Well, after that, the town finally put little Grigori's bedwetting habit aside and gave him just the tiniest bit of respect. Look at that. Well, it seemed like it was also a mixture of fear because they got a weird reputation. Where it's like immediately it happened, like, he's a bed pisser. He, um, he's a very strange child. All he does is hang out with horses and whisper on them all day long. And then he comes out with this very... Uh, a accurate prediction and they all immediately get nervous being like if yeah. he can see that we steal then that means that we can't steal now what we have to do is treat this if, uh, treat this as if it's real and we need to isolate the boy okay mm-hmm. yeah but you know the reverence would not it wouldn't last long because when Rasputin got older he developed a taste for vodka to rival even that of his father mm. all right he turned into a lecherous troublemaker, earning the nicknames Sniveller and Snotnose. Cool. It's pretty sweet. It does sound like the um, the second line of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys yeah. characters. I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, and he did actually have those nicknames. That wasn't uh, a smear by his enemies, but his it's enemies... It's freezing cold and he's trashed, of course. <laughs> he... Let the snot roll. <laughs> But the enemies, I mean, they made him out to be pretty much this young devil, Mm. uh, even though, you know, he wasn't that bad by Russian peasant standards. This is what one propaganda leaflet said about him. In his youth, Rasputin was uncommonly hopeless, with a foul mouth, inarticulate speech, driveling dirty as can be, a thief and blasphemer. He was the fright of his native village. Siberian. He's (laughs) Siberian. Now, they followed that with accusations of vodka and horse thievery, two of the worst things you could do back in those days. Yeah, how it it cannot be easy to steal a horse. It's pretty. I mean, you just kind of get on it and you ride off. You hit it with the fucking hammer and then you drag it (laughs) on the cart. You can only you can definitely always only steal one at a time. Yeah. Well, unless you got a buddy. Uh-huh. Or, but that's the thing. Actually, you can because what you do is you hop on one horse and you got the other horse like tied to a rope or something like that. Mm. And that horse will follow you if you got a rope jerk in the okay. Or you got a dick like Apu's tail, which is what he has. <laughs> and it's fucking, it's got a prehensile edge to it that can grab the vodka and stick it up your asshole like those old dirty jokes about the guy with the elephant trunk dick. <laughs> I have no idea what your father read to you in the <laughs> Uh, in reality, like Rasputin was probably just like a snotty kid. Sure. Like one of the only things on record concerning Rasputin was that he did two days in jail for giving quote a rude attitude to a local government official. Okay. Well, he had gothy properties, right? <laughs> yeah. He started off as a tiny little Dracula, and he knew instinctively as a little boy to lean into the role of being mysterious and uh, being uh, unpredictable like I have been in the past. (laughs) And you have to, but that's a part of what you do. He's starting to, he kind of immediately understands, oh, you kind of have to cultivate your persona in this world of nobodies. It's this small town Siberia. And he immediately was like, I could be a fucking character here and get a lot of attention. But the one thing that everyone agrees on about Rasputin was his eyes. His eyes were so famous and important to his character that the book Twilight of the Romanovs dedicated an entire chapter just to Rasputin's eyeballs and how he'd use them. It's fair to say he does not exist as Rasputin without those eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, him and um, what's her name? Scarlett Johansson, she's got tiny eyes. It's like, but his his eyes are in pictures. Like that's kind of funny. Even the old black and white pictures, you look at them and they really do stand out. And yeah. I'll look at a picture for a long time, just like staring at it while I'm reading, and I am all of a sudden nude. 
just looking at <laughs> right, his face. Right. And my, my penis is in my hands. And I'm like, why am I doing this to myself in front of this man? And But it's like his eyes are following me everywhere around the room while I have the, the book open. And I'm full of edibles. And I'm jerking it. Sure. <laughs> I feel an interest. I, that's what I do when I look at pictures of Frank Sinatra. Although I put on a three-piece suit without even knowing it. Classy. Well, one person called Rasputin's eyes, quote, psychologically inexplicable. Wow. Wow. It's a strange, strange optometrist. (laughs) Stop flirting with me, doctor. (laughs) And others said that his eyes pierced like needles, like a metallic greenish, bluish, brownish gray. His eyes like seemed to change hues. They kind of changed color. And they were described as at the same time being disturbing, alarming, and alluring. Stop it, Marcus. You're doing this to me again. I'm going to be nude again. They said that he would stare at you without blinking, uncomfortably long, staring at you as if he was trying to set you on fire. Hmm. And some said that Rasputin's eyes were the source of his power over people, either attracting them or throwing them off balance. Hmm. And it wasn't just his eyes. Rasputin's whole way of communicating almost sent you into a trance, but in the, the strangest way possible. When he spoke, his sentences were disjointed and oddly phrased. Like he'd use like fragments of subjects in this like kind of weird stream of consciousness that would go from religion to philosophy to offhanded sexual remarks. He was probably a dyslexic with ADHD. <laughs> it's possible. Uh, but honestly, I've I've heard it a lot. He just sounded like an Uber driver. <laughs> As you go, everybody takes the 405, but nobody ever asked Grigor if I want to take the 405. And sometimes I think the Mexican people's pants are too long. Why you got short? if you're going to hide your knees. And you're just like, what is is that, sir? He's just like, that would be 772. There is nothing like an Uber driver in L.A. because they are ready to, they they think you might be a producer and they're ready to perform. (laughs) When Brooke and I were down there, this guy was like, so what do you think about Trump? And we were like, oh, you know, not not big fans. He's like, I have an impression. And he did it for seven minutes. It was great. It was so fun. Well, Rasputin was like super herky-jerky with his arms, too. And he would shuffle his feet when he spoke, and he'd constantly fidget with whatever was around. Like, any of these three things taken alone, like the staring, like the weird way of talking and all the herky-jerky, would have been devastating to anyone else. But Rasputin, even as a teenager, was able to make it work. He sounds like fucking Andrew Garfield. (laughs) Like, it sounds like, honestly, when I read about his behavior, it's that he is a dude that realizes, oh, if I'm super mysterious, chicks will really dig me. And so he becomes weirder and weirder as he goes, like experimenting with how weird he can be. And he's getting positive feedback of people like, oh, there's something to this Gregory. And he's like, so I'm not Gregory anymore. My name is Rajputin. Being like, oh, you guys must have made some money, bought a last name. <laughs> Did he ever go through a fat phase like Marilyn Manson? Not really. He died then. Well, huh? he, he well he was always kind of skinny, but he got a belly later on. Okay, I like yeah. that part. Yeah, <laughs> I love Marilyn Manson now. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's. A daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. 
as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right. I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right. My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. 
Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Well, the thing is about like his whole way of moving is like that was kind of natural to him. That's just the way he did it. But mm. as he grew older, he learned how to cultivate it. Like he was so good at it that I mean, this guy he grabbed the ears of emperors eventually. Wow. Like through this weird trance-like way of being. It's like his whole way of being was to put people into a trance. And these are people who just kill folks for not having their food cooked properly. Well, actually, the, the czars weren't that bad. Not they, that bad? They weren't that capricious. Is no. that going to get us into a lot of trouble, saying that the czars weren't that bad? <laughs> they were, let's just say they're also horrible. They were can- No, they were canonized a few years ago. It's fine. Oh, yeah. so that erases everything. I forgot. That makes them, that makes them good. So as I said earlier, God was always a presence in Rasputin's life and mm. in the life of his family. The family would go on like regular pilgrimages together to monasteries in, around Siberia. So when Rasputin was 17, he got permission from his parents to make the trip on his own. Huh. And on this trip, he met a woman named Praskovia Dubrovina at the Feast of the Assumption of the Virgin Mary. Cool. Man, that party must have been off the fucking chain, dude. So. <laughs> Siberia, Assumption of the Virgin Mary. I've got nine keeklorks of vodka and my mules horny. <laughs> Woo, this is going to be a great assumption. <laughs> uh, Praskovia was 20 years old, a spinster by the standards of the day. Disgusting. <laughs> when did they die? Ugh. 29 years old. 20, jeez. <laughs> well, you got to remember, like, they have to start having kids early because I you got to play an odds game there. Oh, sure. That's right. Yeah. So within a few months, the two were married and Rasputin brought his new wife home. I married, bitches. You guys all <laughs> thought that I wouldn't. But I tell you what, I throw that dick fuck down so solid. She stay with me for life. Huh? High five. Huh? Why everybody's not stay with me? This is the Siberian version of Harold and Maude. <laughs> 17 and 20. With that elderly woman. <laughs> so their first three children died of scarlet fever and whooping cough, respectively. Huh. Uh, but their fourth, fifth, and sixth actually lived well into adulthood. Oh, wow. nice. But the seventh died. Ah. Three, so they got three <laughs> out of four. No, they got uh, three out of seven. Right, but yeah, they're three. And I mean, they're not winning the NBA Finals. Yes. But they <laughs> yes, went they to lose. seven games, so that's pretty good. <laughs> they lose the NBA Children Finals. <laughs> However, such was life in Siberia and Russia. Uh, and a lot of peasants, as Henry said, they just kind of saw this as a manifestation of God's will. Mm. So after marriage, from the ages of 19 to 28, Rasputin seems to have just kind of done his best to be the town pain in the ass while still trying to be godly. Okay. Like he'd get drunk, he'd hop in his horse cart, and he'd just ride around town shouting obscenities at all the respectable folk. There's a part of this that sounds fun. Yes, it does. It's like, just the idea of being like, see, you don't fucking tell me where to go, what to do. I go out there, I get ripped up, I get fucking crazy. That's what Greg the Drunk fucking does. Okay, you fucking going to fight him a nickname? Then you get to just slill fucking vodka all night on a horse cart. There's no DUIs if it's a cart, right? Man, just yelling at people. Honestly, man. Yeah, every one of these, there's always a moment where it's just like, let's be friends. <laughs> yeah, and but he still also like talked about God all the time. Like, Rasputin, he was kind of like that frat boy that has like the cross tattoo and the cross necklace, and he has that weird little hook on his cap that like, oh, it's about fishers of men. <laughs> he also uh, sounds a little bit like Johnny Cash. <laughs> peak drunk. 
and uh, still no, loving the Lord. We're going to do a gospel album. We're going to do a gospel album. <laughs> we're doing do a do gospel it. album, and I'll tell you what, because if we don't, I'm going to shoot my your fucking wife. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, most people, they, they wouldn't hire Rasputin for a job, and usually when something went missing in town, Rasputin was the prime suspect. And in fact, one of the myths about Rasputin is directly related to his thievery. Oh. Now, it was said that Rasputin's evil nature was so strong and diabolical in the true sense of the word that he had a small horn growing out of his forehead, wow. a bump just below the surface. That, they said, was the reason behind his uh, messy hair, because he was hiding the horn, and therefore, his intentions. God, it's like they're talking about Marilyn Manson. (laughs) I know it. (laughs) But the real story is actually much more embarrassing than that. Uh Uh-oh. He had a zit. (laughs) (laughs) One night, a fellow villager named Kortovstev, god damn it, I've been trying to figure out this one. Kartovstev. Kartovstev. We're going to get so much fucking trouble. Let's just call him Kart. We'll call him Kart. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll call him Carty. Cardiff. So Kart caught Rasputin stealing his fence piece by piece. (laughs) (laughs) That is. Everybody come outside. Then I chop the fence. Fence belongs to me. It is outside. You mean to tell me that I cannot catch bird, make pet? I see fence. Now fence my pet. And it's the vodka that gives me permission. For some reason, I just think it would be hilarious if they were neighbors and he was stealing his fence and moving it like one inch onto his lawn. I take a look at the codes. The community calls and your grass is one inch too high. I cut it with fucking sword and you try to take it from me. No, he was just chopping it up with an axe and like okay. throwing it in his car, throwing the pieces in his car so he could like sell it for firewood later. That's so funny. <laughs> so when the villager caught him, Rasputin, like he kind of threatened him with the axe. So the villager just took a stake and just bashed Rasputin right in the face with it <laughs> and then beat him as hard as he could. And the beating caused a permanent bump in Rasputin's forehead. Oh. Honestly, it's a very like drunkard story. I see in the frame of this arc is that up until now Rasputin has been a mess, right? He's fucking as many women as he can. He's got kids at home, but he's just the town drunk who's sort of being, like, being religious is sort of his thing. But in the end, mostly he's just got a bad reputation and people hate him. But this shit, this hit, is gonna send him off into the, the trip that will then mark his destiny. You know, yeah, like, according to the untold story, the same neighbor that beat Rasputin would also be the man who would inadvertently send Rasputin on the journey that would be his first step towards his ultimate destiny. A couple of Cart's horses had gone missing, and Rasputin, along with a couple of his drinking buddies, were the prime suspects. The friends were found guilty and were permanently exiled, but the evidence against Rasputin being involved wasn't as clear-cut. A temporary exile was suggested, which wouldn't have been so bad, but Rasputin had a different suggestion. He offered to take a pilgrimage to the Siberian monastery of St. Nicholas, 325 miles away. The townsfolk accepted the proposal, maybe thinking it would do him some good, but probably just hoping they wouldn't have to deal with this asshole for just at least a few months. Sure, yeah, that's a long ways away. But on the other hand, we should not just dismiss this outright as some drunk dickhead trying to get out of a punishment. Rasputin had chosen a grueling, dangerous, possibly life-threatening path when he could have easily just fucked off into the wilderness for a little while. He hit rock bottom. 
I do believe that that's kind of what happened here. It's like in, in, in the style of his show intervention, he had hit rock bottom. He didn't know what to do with his life. He had a lot of ambition. He had been meandering and talking about it to this point about how he was destined for something great. His parents were, were kind of hinting at that a little bit, saying that there was something special about his birth or, or all this bullshit, whether that's true or not. But he started to believe a little bit, being like, I can make something of myself. And if I do something impossible, if I go do this like crazy thing I'll gain some sort of esoteric knowledge from it and come back a different person which is exactly what happened cool mm-hmm. a journey is afoot yeah I mean the things about Rasputin is he at the end of the day he's really what he's like a late bloomer sure. you know like this it took until 28 for him to really like get his shit together and this was you know this was the trip that would make Rasputin blossom oh and so, in the spring of 1897, Rasputin began the long trek to St. Nicholas and became one of the Straniki. The Straniki were what the Russians called holy wanderers. Oh, good. I thought it was someone who ran on the football field after their college football team won naked. The Straniki. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's fun. That is cute. That's fun. I mean, they were like hobos. They were hobos. They were hobos that just kind of talked about God a lot. Okay. But this dude just went like, you know, like normally you put like point A from like from where we are in Prostokvia to St. Nicholas. It's like a straight line, but normally you take like roads and shit to go around it. Like you'd follow formal things. But he's like, no, I'm going straight. (laughs) So that means it's like he's walking through fucking bushes. Yeah. He's walking through ditches. He's walking over mountains. And the whole time he's going like and like and spinning in circles and shit. Like he's really going for it. And in my mind he's also fighting fucking demons. Yeah. And he's out there and demons are coming on him and he's got the sacred stick of Skoskrosia and he's fighting him like it's a fucking kung fu movie and they're all falling all around him. He's getting the eyes. He's shooting laser out of his eyes. Yeah. That's where it jumps into fan fiction. <laughs> Absolutely. There's yeah. something very like labyrinth about it all. Yeah, and the whole time he's like repeating the Jesus prayer. Oh. Like he keeps saying, like, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy upon me, a sinner. Oh. Like as he, he he's just saying it over and over and over again like as he's Tim- walking. Like the way Timothy McVeigh forced everyone to listen to Bad Company by Bad Company <laughs> off the album Bad, bad Company. company. <laughs> he also may have been he may have been a proto bad company. That's also a way that uh like the um the Hare Krishnas and different sects of different uh, spiritualism believe that you should use your mantra. Like, basically, you say your mantra over and over and over again until it becomes a part of you. Like, you say Krishna again and again, so they say right. it becomes like your heartbeat, mm-hmm. where now it's like in your brain forever and becomes a part of your body. And so he really got very serious about mm-hmm. this. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this was like, I mean, it was a true journey. Like, he, he slept outside, he begged for all of his food, he said he escaped murders and brigands, mm. and he said the devil tempted him on multiple occasions with, quote, unholy desires. So he wasn't drinking. <laughs> no, he wasn't. It was just oh. him just looking at a tree that had bumps on it that vaguely looked like tits. It's like, <laughs> stop it, God! Stop making me horny! I'm horny enough! He also met the Muppets. <laughs> really? Wow. Yes. So after months of walking, Rasputin finally arrived and reconnected with the man he'd already been acquainted with, Brother Macari. Ooh. 
Now, Macquarie was the type of monk who wore chains to like mortify his flesh. He was one of those. Uh, yeah. He was a, a he penitent, a penitent monk, mortifying his flesh. Like he'd wear chains. It's that mortifying your flesh. Uh, it's fucking yourself up. It's like when uh, the uh, flagellants like whip themselves. Uh, yes. He would wear chains pretty much just to hurt himself, just to punish himself constantly. That's why I, I never got that. Mm-mm. Dave Navarro does that. He just hangs on hooks. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. People like they say there's an endorphin rush in it, but you know yeah. where I get it an endorphin rush when there's a new top chef listed on on demand on my cable <laughs> yes. and that's the rush that i need that's the rush that i crave absolutely well macari also believed that all society should have the unquestioning faith in god that a peasant has and he also claimed to be a mystic someone who speaks directly to god so when rasputin went to macari for guidance Rasputin believed that he was pretty much taking advice from God himself. Hmm. Now imagine this is like the old punks that existed that weren't TV ready. <laughs> Macri was disgusting. He was covered in cuts. He was the one that also gave, he was the Bannon to, he was the Bannon for Rasputin, mm-hmm. where he gave him all the tools he needed because the peasant being closer to God was such a good political move that helped him later on because what it allowed him to speak to quote unquote the common man and say, you're the real people. <laughs> you are the real people. Right. I am a, yes, I talk to these fancy people and I wear a fancy hat, but you're real. And so he learned all this shit, but Macri was like the old school punks that weren't ready to be uh, superstars and then all of a sudden Rasputin shows up and he's Sid Vicious and he's right. a corporately packaged punk like pop star. So mm-hmm. Rasputin's brain, kind of a Carl uh, Rove type. Uh, did I ever tell you that story of when I saw Carl Rove outside of News Corps? No. He walks out of News Corps. He's just a little nerd person, like all the people we cover. You, you know, they yeah. get blown up and he knocks over a delivery person's bike <laughs> and he tries to pick it up and he literally, he can't. <laughs> uh, it was weak. the nerdiest thing ever. And then finally the guy came out and was just like, okay, Carl Rove knocked over my bike. It was just a delivery guy. It really humanizes them when you see them for all their little nerd it is really nice to know that I could grab Dick Cheney in his wheelchair and flip it over and he'd squirm around on the ground and I could grab my jacket and just literally just mop the floor with him and he'd be like, stop. You just want to do what John Goodman did to the elder Lebowski. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I, I understand. <laughs> and so during this time at the monastery, like something changed in Rasputin. He actually found God, huh. or at least his version of it. He found a version of God that spoke to him, but it's also possible that he just found something that he could exploit. But, you know, the truth is probably somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. That was us, with again, with podcasts. <laughs> you just discover the thing that works for you. And right. he got it, though, immediately. And he started, like... That's one of one of the Rasputin's one of those stories too of like a guy in ancient not even ancient times like this is still this is technically modern times it just feels ancient because it's fucking Siberia but he was like a very modern person dropped into an old old system it's like he woke up modern he woke up like realizing like oh shit like I'm gonna take all this podunk version of what they're doing all gross and I'm gonna sell it to the next level Mm -hmm. yeah and and this was him doing all this shit by never leaving he hasn't left Siberia at this mm. point, like he's just, a, I mean, he's like a, he's a small town boy does good okay. where he does, he has no idea of what's happening outside. Uh, but yet he still somehow like almost cosmically, uh, is made for this time. Okay. So when Rasputin returned to the village, they said he had quote, disheveled hair and no hat. 
singing and waving his arms. He had no hat? No hat. No hat. What do you mean? No, no hat. hat. He had a hat? He didn't. He, I guess he had a hat when he left and didn't have one when he came back. That's what they noticed? Yes. <laughs> you used to have a hat. And you know, he traveled 700 miles at this point. Not just noticed, but remarked. Okay. Yeah, and he was all, like, he was a, an alcohol-free zealot, you know, wow. and he wanted nothing more than to talk about his conversion to anyone who would listen to it. So, in other words, he'd left his village as one kind of pain in the ass and returned as another. Yeah, you guys Ugh. think that I'm drinking now, and you're like, oh, he goes to the bar too much. Wait until I get sober. <laughs> you guys are going to be like, so have you thought about having another sip? Oh, God, because it also, yeah, nothing's worse than a baby straight edge. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> But in many ways, he was still the same old Rasputin, just without the alcohol. Mm. In church, Rasputin would swing his arms and, quote, make grimaces during services and would sing in, quote, an improper voice. Uh. Well, no, it's just uh, it just doesn't sound like it would come out of a six foot four huge man where he just shows up and he's like, whoa, my love. And everyone's just like, whoa, we actually, we all sound like shit. I don't even know how he got that beautiful singing voice. Was he 6'4"? Yes. Was he really? He was 6'4". Motherfucker was huge. He must have been, that's like the equivalent of seven foot. He walked in, because imagine, it's like, honestly, it's only a couple inches shorter than you, walking into a room, waving his arms around, everybody else is all stooped, and like, and he had a, that's a part of it too, is that he had the Lynn and B. Johnson effect where he'd lean in on people and he's got those big crazy eyes so people are giving him a lot of room. So when people didn't really dig Rasputin's vibe, Rasputin decided that it was time to start services of his own. Mm. Rasputin's services were held in his father's root cellar with just a small group of people who liked the cut of Rasputin's jib. I I just want to know the people who look at this guy, this six foot four person dancing like Joe Cocker on meth (laughs) and just like... I, I want to go to the basement. I want to hear what he has to say. Like, those people are almost more interesting to me in a weird way. Well, it seems like, it sounds like the nerdy girl who went to college, had a great spring break, and came back, and now she's hot. And they're all, like, looking at me and, like, there's something about that Rasputin. They're all just, like, t- like very interested in him. Like, he's got a special verb to his step. He's different than the other boys, mm-hmm. which is also very attractive. Um, and he never hangs out with his wife. Yeah, and what's children. going on with the fam at this point? Uh, they're just kind of there. Okay. We'll get into the family, but uh, yeah, they're just kind of there. Well, the important thing to know about these meetings that Rasputin was having in the root cellar with his new followers was that they were secret. And this is something that Rasputin learned early on. If something was secret, it was dirty, even if sex wasn't involved. And if it was dirty, then it was powerful. Mm. So naturally, the rumors started almost immediately. And the most scandalous rumor was was that during Rasputin's last pilgrimage, he had fallen in with an absolutely real Christian sect that some called the Anti-Church. Ooh. We could eventually do an episode on all of the weird esoteric side chapters in Christianity. Yeah. Because this group is very interesting. The Anti-Church Church. The Anti-Church. It sounds like something out of the Invisibles. It does. This is really strange. They were called the uh, Clisty. The Clisty. Clisty. The Clisty? The Clisty. Clisty sounds like a cute name for a clitoris. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wanted to make a couple of jokes like, how do you find them? You know, it's stuff yeah, like that. But, yeah, you know, but I didn't yeah, do it. But I didn't do it. Keeping it. Classy. 
Well, the Cleisti called themselves the believers of Christ, but the establishment had given him the name Cleisti because Cleist was the Russian word for one of the sex main tools used during services. Oh. The whip. The whip. Oh, my whip. God. Whip. If whip. you're going to a whip. church and the pastor brings out a whip, slowly back out, get out of that church. <laughs> so a Cleisti ster- service went like this. The services were held underground in a basement, cellar, or crypt. They would all wear white robes and start each service singing strange hymns of their own devising. Sounds like they're trying to figure out how to invade a rock. <laughs> Jesus, help me tie my shoes today. I'm making this up <laughs> as I go. I'm waiting for the free. Here goes my feet. That's exactly what they would do. They would sing these stupid songs, and then the leader would whip them. If it was a man, it would. They would be called a Christ, and then if it was a woman. Uh, they would be called a mother of God. Okay. Uh, and then, after they would sing and like, get whipped, that's when the spinning would start. Yeah, oh and then they start spinning, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, spin. just around and around. They keep singing and spinning and getting whipped. And they work themselves with this, like, frenzied spin drunk ecstasy. So they're basically on, like, a biblical gravitron. <laughs> and this is something that they're enjoying. <laughs> they're lo- oh, yeah. Yeah. They're loving it because they would spin and spin and spin. And they get whipped and they're singing. And this is a lot of noise for a basement. And they're yeah. trying to keep this secret. And it has to be like, you're just outside with your mule, having your vodka water, and you hear just... And then when the ecstasy would reach its peak, they would all fall to the floor, crawl to the nearest warm body, and the congregational orgy would begin. This yep. rem- did, did John Belushi yell bacon, <laughs> and they all started sizzling on the ground like Animal House? And nothing works a Russian Kleisti up to a froth than being covered in whip whelps. You're bleeding from the skin, and then you just slide your penis like a bookmark into whatever mailman or or mule salesman is next to you. Because they did gay and straight. They did whatever. It was whatever Who was Whoever close, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, whoever was closest. This, but- the baker? I mean, what? Like, don't you look at these people on the? I guess it's fine. Whatever. It's, it's, it's all, all. They seem to be enjoying it. It's a it. part of it. That's yeah. what I say about so much in my in, in about things I don't understand. They seem to be enjoying it. Well, and they, that's all that matters. They liked the guilt. They liked the shame. Okay. For them, that was all yeah. a part of it. Because the harder they sinned, this is what they believed. The harder they sinned, the more they could repent. And the more they could repent, well, then the closer they could get to God. That doesn't oh, seem to yeah. be very productive to have in a society <laughs> no, that adheres makes to laws. Because it makes your boner harder. Yeah, but there's because you know that the they, harder your bone is, honestly, it's great. If you are a criminal, just love getting beat by the cops. <laughs> and I think they'll stop. You flip it and reverse it. If you Albert Fish it, oh, nothing's God. ever a punishment because now it's like... Nothing, honestly, think about how sexy that is. You at your most naughty, ooh, your most dirty naughty is the most sweet for God to put his hands on. And you're like, oh man, thank God I'm going to get whipped today so I can say I'm sorry for everything that I've done. When Martin Scarelli was like, I am going to raise the the price of that drug so high I can't wait to go to the basement and get whipped. This is like what CEOs think. Well, These guys, they believe that all sex, even sex within marriage was a sin, but they believed they were sinning to drive out the sin and in order to sin in such a sinful manner, one had to summon the quote, 
dark courage to sin. I love the way they circumvented the human primal need for sex. And they were just like, no, I, I think we figured it out. I think we got a path to it. Also, saying that let's have the dark courage to sin tonight is such a good pickup line at a steampunk convention. Yes. <laughs> Now, it is very possible, if not probable, that Rasputin participated in one or two of these services, enough, at least, to greatly influence him throughout his life. But Rasputin's early services were not of the orgy variety. His followers met in cellars and sang the weird Cleasty hymns, but Rasputin's services did not include sex during the service itself because Rasputin was actually smart enough to know that joining the Cleasty officially would bar him from doing pretty much anything more than just fucking in basements for the rest of his life. Okay. But if that's all he wanted, then he could have had it. Yep, but, but that's didn't. not what he wanted. He, well, he had ambitions, and he did the same thing that Jim Jones did where he cherry-picked certain aspects of things he liked and smashed them all together mm-hmm. because I think he really did want his fucking... And his job to be separate for mm-hmm. a while. I think that's where it ends up. That's what kicks him in the ass later on because he starts joining them together quite a bit. Mm. But at this time, he's trying to keep the two worlds separate. Well, yeah. I mean, Rasputin, he was a leader. He wasn't a follower. Like, he wanted his own system. He right. wanted his own followers. People that were beholden only to him. Okay. And that was all helped along by Rasputin's first major vision. Now, as, as Rasputin was working in the fields one day, he said the Virgin Mary suddenly appeared to him in the sky hovering above him and she didn't say anything but she did point towards the horizon oh uh, you want to go over there <laughs> yeah to wrestlemania <laughs> Now, what's important to remember is some people actually believed Rasputin when he said this shit. Uh, people, yeah. Do you and, think he believed it, though? Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, it's the same maybe. thing with Jim Jones. You know, it, well, you, you, never yeah, know, you never know. You never know what actually goes on in these people's heads. For Rasputin, in my, honestly, in my mind, I think that he did believe himself. I think that they had a more spiritual connection, and he really did lose himself on his travels. When he went out, he took it very seriously. He would go into gnosis. Mm-hmm. Like, he would see shit. Like, he yeah. would really believe that he could change people's lives by uh, by inserting his presence in them, quote-unquote, wink, 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 wink. Mm-hmm. And that he was, that's what, when he developed this, of course, also, he has to create the story. He has to. He understood right, that right, I right. have to build an arc, and a part of my arc has to be. I'm on a vision quest. People come with me. Right. So then, when other people come up and be like, "I think I'm spiritual," he'd be like, "Have you met the Virgin Mary? Because I freaking did." <laughs> well, these people like they saw visions as evidence of God's grace that God had chosen this man to share and disperse His holiness upon. Earth. Is it true to say at the time visions were taken more seriously? Much more. Visions were taken extremely seriously to the point where, you know, it would be one of those things like, why would he make up that he had a vision? Right. Like, that is a great, grand sin to make something like that up. Why would someone make up that the aliens have visited land? I heard it on the radio. Uh, <laughs> and I heard the aliens are invading Earth. So, And since these Russians, since they were all about miracles and visions and all that shit because of the Eastern Orthodox influence, Rasputin had a wide opening to settle into nicely. All right. So as far as the Virgin Mary vision went, Rasputin saw this as a sign that he should travel over the horizon to which she pointed and take another pilgrimage, his biggest one yet. 
In 1900, Rasputin declared that God had instructed him to go to the monastic center of the Eastern Orthodox world, Mount Athos in Greece, Ooh. almost 3,000 miles away. Sounds like a fun trip. It doesn't. It's no? actually the opposite. Because <laughs> it's just walking to Greece. It's walking across Russia to Greece. It's using your feet as a car and just, he went, oh, well, she just started running. <laughs> Well, the Flintstones did it. <laughs> In this pilgrimage, uh, Rasputin took even further than the last. He went the entire trip there without changing his underwear or touching his body in any way with his hands. Humble brag. <laughs> Humble brag. Because he, what he had to do is he had to chain his hands to the, his bed. He would wear shackles to keep himself from touching himself, which also included cleaning himself, which is then how he got the reputation for smelling like a quote-unquote goat. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and he tried to make himself as gross as possible. Like, he'd stand motionless in swamps for days at a time, just letting the bugs eat him alive. Oh, so you, that's a trip, dude. That's on a yeah. fucking other trip. You're you're just, you're locked into something like that. I don't know what it is. It's fucking kind of metal. It's very Hell's Angels that you wear your clothes so they fall off. Yeah. yeah. I think also, if he was an American in the 70s, we would have won Vietnam. <laughs> what a soldier this guy is. Yeah, but he's walking around. He's Covered in shit and bug yeah. bites and piss. I don't. Yeah. I don't know why he's doing this to himself, but I <laughs> guess these are life's many questions. But much to Rasputin's disappointment, when he finally got to Mount Athos, he found that a lot of the monks were openly homosexual. And though you might think that Rasputin would be kind of groovy to this idea, for some reason, it's completely weirded him out, so he left. Hey, Greg, nice to meet you, man. I'm so glad. Uh, so you walked here? Yeah, 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 I walked here. Yeah, you must be crazy tired, huh? Yep, exhausted. Yeah. Filthy, too. I about... You want to suck my dick? Then suck uh, this guy's dick. And then what we'll do is, um, then we'll all fuck. Um, and then maybe we can have some soup. You know, I got, I, there was a swamp a while back. I didn't stand in it quite long enough. I'm going to go back and check it out. There was a toad that I was staring at. Yeah, all right. Well, you're leaving a lot of dick on the table. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so when Rasputin finally returned to Siberia, he'd been gone for two years. Oh, right. And he had a family there the whole time. He had, you know, three kids yep. and a wife that he just left. And he was like, see you later. Going on a pilgrimage. Deal with it. Hmm. Oh, like the meme. But, oh, deal with it when it comes down. <laughs> oh, yeah. The deal sunglasses came from the sky and they landed on Rasputin's face and Rasputin said, deal with it. Deal, deal with, with it. it. There it is. Yeah. Now, Rasputin's wife was another what you would call the long-suffering he would leave on pilgrimages whenever he wanted, and he took as many lovers as he wanted, and Praskovoya just had to accept it. Now, Rasputin actually convinced his wife that his penchant for having sex with as many women as he could, in other words, his sex addiction, was not about pleasure, no. but was rather, quote, his burden. So yeah. at some wow. point, he was just like talking himself up and being like, she is going to beat the shit out of me. She's so pissed at me. But, okay, how do I do this? How do I, It's for her. I got it. I got oh, it. I'm doing this for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm helping you. I'm saving oh, you. She yeah. has to be like, oh, thank you, Rasputin, for fucking everybody. Good I don't want to do it. Oh, I don't want to oh. do it. Oh, it's all part of my thing, you know? 
And, Poor and that's guy. what it was. I mean, she was a lot like Marceline Jones. You know, mm. she let it slide uh, because she believed that Rasputin was a man of God, and he convinced her. I have to do this. Okay. I have no choice but to do this. And if you believe in me as a man of God, then you have no choice but to accept all this. All right. But most of the people in the village weren't so sure about all this shit. So after enduring ridicule and jeers from the local church and the townsfolk, Rasputin set off to the big city of Kazan <laughs> to find more like-minded individuals. Okay. And that's where we'll pick back up. For part two of Rasputin, the big city in Kazan. If you can make it there, you you can you can make it. You can do other. You can go to other Siberian towns and kind of make it too. No, not Kazan. Uh, Kazan. No, not with. There's no G. There's no G. There's no G. Kazan. No, I like Kazan a little bit better. I like Kazan a lot better too. Yeah, but it's all right, Kazan. Just Kazan. But then you have a whole side pop where he's out there in the forest. He's the same size as one of those Chechnyan centers that play for the NBA. Uh-huh. He's just like walking around, pointing at people, fighting demons. Man, I love this fucking movie that's fake that's laying in my head when I no, read all this about Rasputin. I think we have a similar thing going on. What a crazy journey this guy has been going on. It, it only gets crazier from here. I mean, the next right. episode, we're going to meet the Crow Sisters. Uh, we're going to introduce, you know, the, the Tsar and the Tsarina uh, and all manner of other weird palace intrigue. Very cool. All a right. A lot of palace intrigue. There's a lot of palace intrigue. There's a lot of ripping open of bodices. There's a lot of weird uh, rituals. There's a lot. It's a fun ass story. Yeah. And I never thought that history. When I remember being in high school, that history wasn't fun. It's because they didn't teach us about Rasputin's fucking thirteen inch cock. Uh, <laughs> and eventually, yeah. we will get into the mystery of whether or not it is in fact his penis in that jar somewhere in a sex museum. Mm-hmm. In, I believe Budapest. Yeah. It, so, oh yeah. It's, it's not in like a bottle of rum and the world's oldest tab. And if you pay a hundred bucks, you get to have a shot of the rum, but you got to touch the tip with your lips. I hate that. Yeah, that is pretty good. It's uh, in the Yukon, right? It's a toe thing usually. Yeah. A toe thing. Anyway, all right. What do we want to do here? We have to we have to thank everyone for just being awesome. Yeah. So there's that. And thanks everyone for giving our Patreon. Yeah. Uh, we very yes. much appreciate it. If you uh, feel like we uh, deserve a little bit of cash, and if you want to get a ton of uh, bonus material, including an interview with yes. Stanton Friedman that the two of you just did. Oh my gosh. You just got to go to Patreon.com/slash Last Podcast on the left uh, and uh, just donate a little bit of money. Yeah. Henry and I have had a great time interviewing uh, folks for the. Patreon. We have a cool interview coming up next week as well uh, with a detective. And uh, yeah, Stan Freeman was a he was a trip. I I really I'm excited to learn more about people. And if you have anybody that you want us to interview, if that you'd yeah, be please. interested to hear from, please hit us up on Twitter at Henry Loves You at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel, um, yep. Instagram at Doctor Fantasy at Marcus Parks at Ben Kissel the number one, or at LP on the left yes. at any of that bullshit, and try to give us suggestions because we'd love to get to the heart of some people you're curious about. Absolutely, and uh, thanks for everyone uh, the amazing response to. Our uh, to our book reveal. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Everyone was so unbelievably nice. We got a bunch of people who have submitted uh, their incredible art, so it's going to be extremely difficult to choose, but thanks for ever- thanks to everyone who submitted. Uh, everyone is amazing. Yes. I'm very excited. It's uh, And we're going to... I just love looking at comic book art, and it's fun. Yeah, yes. It's, really fun. it's fun. And uh, keep on um, supporting all the shows here on the LPN Network. We appreciate you. Yeah. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Gein. Hail me. And Magoostillations. 
Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Imagine you just got home from work, dinner is ready, wine is chilled, and your man has offered you 15 minutes of heaven in the form of a foot massage. And then he says, your tanning session is now complete. What just happened? You found your escape at Palm Beach Tan. Break from the chaos at a Palm Beach Tan near you and leave rejuvenated. Take time for yourself at Palm Beach Tan and take that feeling with you wherever you go. Get up to $25 off your first month featuring Australian gold. Perfect man, not included.